Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. our shepherd. This is a shepherd's staff, and it's the most popular common image of Jesus in the Bible is that he's our shepherd. He takes care of us, and that's awesome. It's fully true, especially in times of like this where it's, it's tough and we need a shepherd, but it's not the only image that God has for us. Um, Jesus isn't just our shepherd, but he's a fisher of men, fisher of people, and when he um, really God put on my heart to say, you know, High Street, we've spent good time equipping, mending our nets. It's time to fish. I get really excited. And I'm excited about not only the whole concept of sharing God's love with people, but equipping our church and really challenging our church to go and make disciples by fishing for people. And when I I was putting this series together, Um. I was so excited because I was, I'm I'm like, it's got to work this time. I've tried to get Mark Campbell back here to preach, and he had a specific message that we wanted him to preach, and it was going to maybe be in January, and then maybe February, and then finally, we fit him in in this series, and it's just the perfect message for us to hear as we're being challenged by God to not just mend your nets, not sit on the shore all the time and um, knit, but actually use those nets for something to catch people. And as we're in this crisis, this coronavirus challenge that we're in, we're not just to endure it. We're not just going to try and get through it. It's an opportunity. It's one of the best opportunities, I think, to really share God's love. People are needy. They need hope. And our job is to look with eyes to say, God, who would you have me share this hope with? Who would that be? And how do I do that? Last week, Mike Romberger shared this simple question when it comes to people. Do you care? And it struck all of us in the heart. Do we care? Enough to do something. Enough to to really step into the good works that God's planned for us beforehand. And not only is that question evident today, but Mark wrestles with that question. Sometimes well, sometimes poorly. I've heard these stories. They're awesome. But he's going to help us to wrestle with the question, do we care? Do we want to fish for for people? And so I hope you're challenged. I know I'll be challenged. Um, And that you're not just challenged to think, oh, that's true. I believe that. But I'm going to go do that. So Mark, come up with us. Come up here and teach us how to fish. Thank you. Good morning, church. How are you? I need some interaction. I need some interaction from you guys at home. Uh, we have Sierra Wall in here. She's like 100 people in one. The rest of us, if we can be like two people, that fill the stadium. So we're good to go. It's amazing that you guys are in the book of Acts, right? You're Acts 1-8. Go be my witness. When the, my spirit falls on you, gives you power, go be my witness in Jerusalem in Judea, and in Samaritan, reach the Samaritan people. And I don't know about you, but Samaritan people bug me. We're surrounded by people that aren't just like us. It's amazing, here we are in the book of Acts, and now primarily we're at home, back where the church started, back when the church started to grow, back when it was organic, it was a movement. And so it was kind of a bummer around Wednesday, it's like, wow, there'll be 10 people at the church And then by Friday, we went, this is so amazing that around the planet, people are worshiping and praising God at home, and God is doing something. And what's exciting and frustrating and scary and challenging is it will involve Samaritans. 
Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have today. The opportunity to uh, praise you at home, in the comfort of our home. And Lord, may we not get lost in comfort. It seems as though we're a people who are addicted to comfort. And um, would you stir in us, would you awaken in us something um, new? Clearly, you're doing a new thing on the planet. And clearly, you're involving your church. Not our church. It's your church. And would you cause us to see what you see, as Danny just said, to hear what you want us to hear and become the people you want us to become as we learn this new thing, how to fish for people. And it's in your son's sweet name, the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, I think we're, there we go. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. People at home, I, this is a good opportunity to remind you to shut your phones off. And uh, if, you don't, if you have somebody in your home that you don't know, it's a good time to greet them, meet them, welcome them to the house, as we, <laughs> we've already done that here. <laughs> uh, I want to say that the book of Acts kind of messed me up a little bit. If you know what I mean, i got to get this right again. Are we good? Boom, boom, boom. There we are. Uh, it messed me up. The book of Acts brought me to uh, the top of Mount Arbel, in 1997, Mount Arbel overlooks the Sea of Galilee. This was a photo taken of us and our trip there last October. And this was the spot that I ended up in 1997, really wrestling with God, doubting God, angry at God. See, I was about 34 years old. I had uh, small children at home, a wife. Uh, I came to faith later in life, about 21 years old, really started walking with the Lord around 24 and my faith had become a series of boxes to check. It, 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 it became a, a, a something that was programmed. It wasn't what I saw in the book of Acts. It wasn't even what I saw in the Gospels. My focus had become on being a good Christian man. I was serving in a youth ministry. I was a contractor. We were building a, a junior high ministry. We were tithing on gross as a contractor. I'm all in. You know what I'm talking about? All, you know, I'm doing, I'm listening to the music I should listen to. I stopped listening to the music I shouldn't listen to. Even Led Zeppelin. What? I was all in. I, and that became the focus of my faith. And it left me really, really, really dry. And I felt like I was missing something. And so I traveled to Israel to wrestle with the Lord where all the greats, all the patriarchs, all the apostles wrestled with the Lord. And I went there by myself. I really didn't know anybody in the group. And it was right here on this very hilltop where I was confronted with the verse that you guys are wrestling with. And it's Luke 5 when Peter address, or the Lord addresses Peter and says, Peter, would you get away from the fishing industry? Would you drop your nets? And would you follow me? And the pastor that was leading the trip, I really didn't know that well. His name was Dale Hummel, great friend of mine now. And there was about 30, 40 of us on the trip. And I was the youngest, didn't know anybody. And he turned to me and he said, Mark, it'd be like if the Lord walked up on you. You're a self-employed landscape designer contractor and asked you to stop that, drop your nets, and follow him. Would you, would you do it? And it was like the Lord brought me all the way around the planet, all the way to Israel, overlooking the very beach. That's the fishing section of the Galilee where the scene in Luke 5 takes place. He brought me all the way around the planet to overview the same spot where he invited Peter. 
And he said, would you drop your nets? And it scared me. It's like the Lord heard my heart. He knew my anxiety. He knew that I was doubting him. He knew what I needed to hear. And Dale waited. He waited for me to answer in front of all these people. And if I'm honest with you, and if I'm honest with myself, and I was clearly in front of God, I wasn't sure I would. It's frightening because I worked hard for my nets. <laughs> I worked hard for my business. I worked hard for my home. And I worked hard in becoming what I thought was a good dad. And I didn't really identify with how dry that had all made me. And I didn't realize what was involved in dropping nets and then pursuing what God wanted me to pursue as a priority. I was afraid of poverty. I was afraid of losing control. Second part of that verse is I want you to drop your nets and follow me. And become fishers of men. And see, that's the problem. <laughs> fishers of people. Men and women. People bug me. They bother me. I mean, if we can be honest, people can be highly annoying. And if you're at home, and if you live with an annoying person, now's not the time to do this and point fingers, none of that. Just driving here to deliver the message, which I'm excited about. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm at 41st Avenue. It's Drizzly. There's nobody. It's Sunday morning. The whole town's shut down. And a guy pushes the button at the crosswalk to cross the street, which locks the whole thing up. There's one guy on the street. It's me. And he pushes the button, which is like a 50, 60, 70 second delay, right? And then he decides, once it goes red for me, walkie man, oh, I pushed the wrong button. I wanted to grow across this way. And I'm waiting here, and the, the joy of the Lord is sucking out of my existence as I'm at the stoplight. I'm a little late. We got some technical stuff to set up with the church. I'm, I'm here to preach the word, the good word of the Lord. And this guy doesn't know which side. Boom, the light just turns green. His goes red. And he realized, oh, that was the way I wanted to go. And steps in front of traffic now, and in front of the van, drops all the things he was carrying as my light's green, watching it go yellow back to red, and I went, this brother is a Samaritan. This brother is really bugging me right now. You know what I mean? And it was there that I realized on Mount Arbel, I have a problem with people. They're prickly. They're controlling. They're manipulative. They're angry. They're unpredictable. And God went, yep, so are you. Perfect. I call broken people to minister to broken people. I'd like to invite you to the party. And I balked. I started to cry. I'm not a crier. I started to cry because I didn't want to let go of my comfort. Three days later, I find myself in Nazareth where the Lord started his public ministry in his home synagogue. And he took a scroll out of the box. The attendant handed him the scroll and he read from Isaiah. It's here in, recorded in Luke. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to the broken, to the Samaritans, to the people who aren't like you. And I realized two things. The Lord knew why he was walking the earth, and I didn't. And the Lord knew that people needed good news. And for me to bring good news, I had to live good news. And I wasn't living the freedom of a new covenant faith. I was locked down and checking my boxes and making sure that I was a good Christian guy. Whatever that means. Because you read through the book of Acts, all the brothers that were changing the world were kind of John the Baptist style. They were kind of honest. They were kind of 
passionate. They were kind of involved in culture, not worried about their kingdom, but serving God's kingdom. And I was a two kingdom guy, praising God in his kingdom on Sunday and living the rest of the six days for my kingdom, which I thought was honoring God. And I was dry. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. And I was held captive to my faith, captive to my religion, captive to my religious boxes that I was so intent on checking. And a a three minute prayer every morning and a prayer before I go to bed, that box is checked. And I got my devotional time. That's 30 minutes checked. I'm listening to 80s Christian music. That's checked. I, I ditched all my CDs and all the good ones. I'm talking about all the funk from this. I, all that's gone, and I'm checking these boxes, and I was held captive, and I needed to be, I needed to be set free. And that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor is now. For the first time in history, says the Lord Jesus in Nazareth, God is for Everybody. He is for the planet. For God so loved the whole world, he sent his own son. And we like to divide people who are in Christ and not in Christ as God loves the ones in Christ and he's okay with those not in the kingdom. But the whole truth of the matter is God loves the whole world because we are made in his image and he's passionate about his people, his church, getting involved in that situation. Here's the thing. He added, the blind will see. If you go to Isaiah, you don't see that the blind will see. He adds that. If you notice about half the miracles that Jesus does, maybe 43%, not that I've done the math, are healing blind people. Now, I've been to Israel nine times now. Never seen a blind guy. (laughs) No one. They're there. They're there. But like, A lot of the blind healings, I believe, were spiritual, like the guy who could barely see in Poseidon. Jesus spits in his eye. Remember that? I think Jesus kind of said, watch me wake this dude up. I'm sick of all these people begging me for miracles, so I'm going to start spitting on people. And it was kind of like, you know what I mean? So he spits on the guy, puts mud in his eyes, and all of a sudden he says, well, I can kind of see, but the people look like sticks. And it's like, that's how I felt spiritually. I can kind of see but I can't see what the Lord wants me to see. And so he's like proclaiming it's the year of the Lord's favor, but everybody's going to need new eyes. Remember he says you have eyes but can't see, you have ears but you can't hear, therefore you have hearts that don't understand. So my wife and I start praying a very, very dangerous prayer. Very dangerous prayer. And if you're serious about becoming fishers of men and women, women, we don't want to leave you out. You know what I'm saying? You pray this prayer. Lord, give me your eyes. Give me the eyes to see what you want me to see. Give me your ears to hear your voice, to hear what it is you are speaking into my soul. And give me a heart that understands. Give me a heart for your people. I literally opened the door of my van and said to the guy that was blocking me for three lights now, not that I'm counting, (laughs) which is rare for me. On the way to church, I got places to go. I got parking spaces. I had 100 to choose from today. Do you need help? Can I help you? Not can I get you out of my way. Kind of new for me, just to be honest with you. I'm kind of an A, type A, driven, got goals, got places, got, you know what I'm saying? That's a dangerous prayer. Well, turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And we're going to look at a story where Peter 
had to learn, I think, one of his most critical lessons. Simon Peter, the apostle Peter. Peter has to learn, I think, one of his most important lessons, and I think for you and I, it could be a critical lesson for us. The story picks up, chapter 10, verse 1, with a guy named Cornelius. He's a centurion. He's a captain. He's a captain of the Roman regiment of 100 people, which makes him a centurion. He's a Greek God-fearing man. He's a convert to Judaism, uncircumcised, converted to Judaism. And so in the world of Judaism, you're a Jew, but you're second class. You sit towards the back. Your kids were pumped about because they were born in your home as a converted Jew, and they're full Jewish. But you will always be inside but outside. And I grew up marginalized. And so he's marginalized by a faith system that's been closed since the resurrection, New Covenant. And so Cornelius is a God-fearing man. He's a good man. And the Lord hears his prayers and says to Cornelius, listen, I want to bring you into the New Covenant, past Judaism, into a new relationship with the Lord. But you're going to need some information from a guy named Peter that I have right down the road. Now, Cornelius is in a place called Caesarea Maritime, where Paul does a lot of his prison time. And he's there up the coast from Tel Aviv, modern Tel Aviv. And Simon Peter, Peter is in a place called Joppa or Jaffa. It's about a two-day walk down the coast, down the Mediterranean, towards Gaza, towards Egypt. And the angel of the Lord appears to Cornelius, and the text says Cornelius freaks out. Cornelius knows his Torah enough to know when angels show up, primarily people die. There's no violin, beautiful violin, by the way, this morning. None of that. No, chi- no fat little babies with wings. No, no, no. Angels show up to take care of business. And so an angel shows up, and Cornelius freaks out, and the angel says, no, 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 don't freak out. God heard your prayers and wants to invite you into the full fold, but you have to go send some people and get Peter. He's on a rooftop of a tanner's house. Now, what's Peter doing on Simon the Tanner's rooftop? Peter is checking his religious boxes. He's a good Jew, and good Jews don't interact with dead animals. Tanners don't want to discuss you. Skin animals. They're around dead things. And Peter is on a roll. Peter is is moving through uh, Israel, bringing this thing called the good news, visiting house churches that are brand new, and he goes and gets to the coast in Joppa and ends up on the rooftop of a, of a tanner. And he says, go down to Joppa and get Peter. So he sends some attendants to go down to Joppa. Meanwhile, the text says, verse 9, verse 10, Peter gets a vision, has a dream from the Lord. It's a common vision. We all know it. It's not new. It's a big sheet, tablecloth, some texts say, four corners bundled, full of all the animals that Peter couldn't eat, would make him unclean. Pigs were up there. Can we all say praise the Lord for pigs? Dreaming of some bacon when I'm done here. <laughs> Maybe a jalapeno wrapped with bacon. You know what I mean? Pigs were in there. Birds, ducks, pigeons. I've never eaten a pigeon. Don't care to eat a pigeon. Don't want to eat a pigeon. But people are crazy about them. They love it. I don't. Those kinds of animals are in there. And then reptiles. I'm not a reptile guy. I don't eat lizards. But I didn't grow up in the South. I don't know how to cook a reptile. All the things that Simon couldn't touch that made him a good religious boy, good God-fearing boy, were there in the vision. And the Lord said, partake. And Peter went, oh, no, no, far be it from me. This things would make me all unclean. And the angel of the Lord or the vision of the Lord or the Holy Spirit or the Lord said, don't be calling stuff that I've made clean unclean anymore. 
Three times Peter has to get the vision. He's a three-time guy. <laughs> three times, right? He was invited. You know, Luke 5 is the third time Peter was invited. A lot of people, if you do the math, you start looking at John's account, Matthew's account. There's three different little occasions. Three times he denies the Lord. Three times the Lord says, you have to love me. And three times he has to get the vision. I love the patience the Lord has with us as we learn to fish for men. He's so gracious. Just take a little step forward. And then he says, no, really, don't call something unclean that I've made clean. Meanwhile, verse 19, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our message. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I've sent them. There's so much there. Meanwhile, I've sent some people and they're going to be at your door. And oh, by the way, they're already here. What the Lord is doing is inviting Peter into what I call riding the rim. This is a jar that my wife and I uh, have had in our home for a couple years. And I think it's such a great analogy that for most of my faith life, the focus was staying inside the cup, isolated from culture, praying for culture, and then inviting people into the cup on my terms, on my Sunday. And if it's a special Sunday, that's the time to bring people into this culture, into this community. And we've formed a pretty, pretty staunch Christian culture. I mean, we have Christian media, Christian music. Christ, I'm waiting for the Christian NBA to fire up because the NBA is canceled. You know, and it's like, I don't see none of that in Scripture. Not that that's wrong. God works with everything. But the focus for me and what got me on top of Mount Arbel and the focus for Peter up on Simon's house, the tanner, was to isolate himself from things that make us unclean. And the Lord said, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. Now, when's the last time Peter saw a Roman regiment recorded dragging his best friend through the streets of Jerusalem? I got to think that Peter wasn't fired up to go to Cornelius' house. Huh? That's somebody, last time, you're the kind of guy that killed my best friend. And so what the Lord is saying, Peter, I want you to get off the rooftop, get out of your religious cup, and get up on the rim of culture. The Samaritans, the Romans, the Muslims, the queers, the young people, the black people, the Asian people, the dumb people, the smart people, the engineers, the scientists that believe in evolution. All the people in the world that I love. I want you to get up on the rim, fish for them, bring them into community as you stay on the rim held to community so we don't fall into the world that we call this thing called discipleship and invite the church onto the rim to think about some things differently, to reach some people differently that most likely will bug us. That's what's amazing about the good news. When we're in the blessing, all of a sudden people aren't so annoying they're just different, and praise the Lord that they're different because when we have a lot of different kinds of people in the church, the church grows, expands, it's a mystery. People go, what? You shouldn't get along with these types of people. What? There's 18-year-olds in the band? What? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He says, go, I've sent them, and I don't want you to worry. Now, if we're honest, riding the rim of culture is frightening. It's scary. It's frightening to reach into a different kind of a people, especially if we're introverted. 
especially if we're not um, outgoing types of people. There's a lot of reasons that we stay off the rim. We're busy. We don't have time to ride the rim. We don't have the presence, the sensitivity. We don't have the eyes. We don't have the ears to ride the rim. But he says, go and don't worry. There's three reasons why I think the Lord says, don't worry. Last words Jesus speaks to Peter is, go and make disciples. Go win them, baptize them, teach them everything I told you, and know this, I'll be with you always. See, Peter wasn't alone. Peter knows he wasn't going to be alone. Isn't it amazing that Peter's sitting in Joppa on a rooftop overlooking the harbor. It's still there today. The Tanner's House Foundation is there. It's amazing to sit in that space and go, this is where he got the vision. It includes us into the new covenant. And isn't it amazing that that's the same harbor where a guy named Jonah got the same vision? Go to Nineveh. Samaritans, they're evil. They're wicked. They despise God. They're idol worshipers. And Jonah went the opposite way. Peter gets the vision. Joppa was famous for Jonah. Still today, When you go there, there's a monument to a guy running from God's will. It's famous today for Jonah exiting. Not so famous for Peter going, I'm not going that way. I'm going to listen to the Lord. Gets up on the rim and he's got to remember, the Lord says, I'm with you. I'm with you every step of the way. The second reason is you guys already mentioned it. I don't know if last week you spent a lot of time on this, Ephesians 2.10. For we're God's masterpiece, one of a kind, piece of work. And again, people at home, if there's conflict, we had a little problem getting online, I told you to log on. If there's any of that, don't remind your spouse or son that you're a piece of work, all right? We're a masterpiece, one of a kind, right? We're created specifically for certain rims for certain days. No of the 11, if you look at the 11 people that was still was walking with the Lord as an apostle, Peter was perfect. Who else would have the courage to walk into a centurion's home? in a centurion's terms, with centurion children and centurion people answering the door. Peter, he's the knucklehead of the Gospels. He'll walk through brick walls for the Lord. So he gets fired up, he wrestles, he understands three times now, and so he goes and he realizes, as Paul would write from Caesarea Maritime, encouraging his Ephesian brothers, you're masterpieces. You're one of a kind. I made you for this. We have a new announcement person or host right? You call him a host. That was beautiful. You're the masterpiece that God's called you to do this in this season of time. Who knows who you'll greet? Who knows what visitor will be here and will see you and go, this place is for me. That's an amazing thing. The third reason why I think the angel told Peter, don't worry, was that you're a masterpiece in Christ Jesus for great works, moments, projects, or encounters that he's planned and prepared for us before time began. Those guys were already in motion for two days. It's all set up on a T. We don't have to look or work for it. We could look for it, but not work for it. About two years ago, three years ago, my wife and I started getting stirred, spiritually stirred, to move to Santa Cruz. Now, I was born, like I said last time I was here, four blocks on King Street, down here. I was brought home from the hospital on King Street, and at two years old, my father moved us all to Oakland. I was raised in Oakland. And then I ended up in Castro Valley in 1976, which is by Hayward San Leandro. And my whole life, I wanted to get this back to Santa Cruz. And I met this beautiful blonde, tall, big hair, smelt like herbalescent shampoo. Oh, sexiest woman walking the earth. Oh, she's right here in front of me. 
I meet her, and she actually brings me to church. She's riding the rim, brings me into community. I accept the Lord, and now I want to raise our family in Santa Cruz. But I start a business, landscape design build, and I get stuck in the community. We raise our family. We start to pastor in the community. I'm pastor of men in Three Crosses community right now, still part-time as I'm here. We start getting steered to move to Santa Cruz, but it's frightening. Because a lot of people in Santa Cruz smoke a lot of weed. I mean, they're all different. They, none of them. And he, my son says, I want to open a luxury barbershop in Santa Cruz. Not a lot of people with getting luxury haircuts. I don't know if you've noticed. There's not a lot of that going on. In fact, son, there's not one in all of Monterey County and Santa Cruz County combined. But the Lord is stirring. And my wife and I started hanging on this verse as we were wrestling with is this what God's calling us to? Your ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, turn this way. This is the way you should go. Walk in it, whether you turn to the right or whether you turn to the left. As you step out into this new thing, the voice behind you will be saying, this is the way you should go. So we get a little property next to Betty's, 41st Avenue. No shameless plug. I'm just saying we get this great retail space. It's called Ways and Fades. Waysandfades.com. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> And we're just got this shell of a building, and this is the first haircut in the building, and it's my haircut, and it's, and it's really nice. A guy pokes his head in from Betty's Burgers and says, yeah, you guys cutting hair? We don't have a license. We're not open. We've got no even light system. And, and Elias, being just a masterpiece, says, yeah, come on in. Sit right down. So this is Savannah, the wife with the shoulder, uh, the camera's behind her. That's a guy named Michaels, never had a luxury haircut. Savannah, the wife, is fired up. This dude came in looking pretty edgy and sits down, and he starts to get his hair cut. We start talking life, and then the sun goes down, and you do beards too, and we got the Home Depot floodlight, and it's like a three-hour experience, and we understood two things that this gentleman, Michaels, never really stopped and had real interaction with people. We're talking life when you get a haircut. You're talking, um, he, he found out I was a pastor, and he actually says, hey, do you guys need help? I'm, I, I work at the boardwalk for security or uh, safety on the roller coasters. I, I'm the safety guy. And if you need help, I can take tomorrow off. And I'm going, can you do that? I mean, what happens if there's an accident? And we had floors coming in two days. We were in the middle of a heat wave. It's August. And I said, yeah, we'd love your help. Shows up at 6 a.m. with donuts, airless sprayers, and me and him are painting a black ceiling white, 70 gallons of paint all day and all night. And he starts telling me, he's, we're, on the, we're on the scaffolding. He goes, hey, you're a pastor. Yeah, uh, yeah, can you get the crown? You know, we got stuff to do. The floors are coming. He says, I've always been confused about the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I reach down into my theological bag and I answer, well, the Old Testament, that's old. And the New Testament, well, it's a brand new one. Come on, man, let's get this crown. The floors are coming, you know? And it's like, it's on a tee. I can't mess it up. He goes, the flood, really? What's the dinosaurs and the flood? No. Do you believe that? And I said, dude, the flood was a lot of water, big boat. One bird comes. The boat lands. Noah gets hammered. Okay, can we get the paint done, you know? Come to find out, Savannah becomes our first employee, your first employee, receptionist. They end up. We point them to a local community church. He actually wrestles with the Lord and comes into a faith with him. They're now just delivered a baby. One guy, one guy. We learned that when you see somebody, we started to see Michael. 
and they were just newly married. Marriage is hard. I don't know if you know. Married people, marriage is hard. And I could relate. I see you and his family structure. And we spent time on us gaffling together. I see you and I started to value him. See, that's the, do we care? I see you. It's hard to see people because we see what we want to see. We see people, we start to value them. When you value people, it's easy to love them. Because God's called us to love the world, the Samaritans. Hard to love people authentically that you don't value. You can't value people unless you see them. And then all of a sudden, let's do life together. That's called discipleship. All of a sudden, I have meet people that I'm in love with, and I want to do life with you. We start meeting couples. This is a couple. He's a contractor. I hang out in the back of the barber shop, and he says, oh, you guys are uh, uh, surfboards and barber. Yeah, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a book on Jacob and Esau, Finding Dad, How to Give a Blessing When You Didn't Get One. Oh, man. My relationship with my dad sucks. Then we meet C.J. Nelson. He's a professional surfer. I didn't know how professional he was. This was him three years ago winning the duct tape invitational, like pro longboard event. Uh, the kid can kind of surf. You know what I mean? He's kind of good. And I didn't really know who he was. I just knew he was in the barbershop and he liked my kid. And I'm showing him pictures of me baptizing some brothers in the Jordan River, some OPD guys. And he says, I've always wanted to go to Israel. So I said, We'll go. The three of us will go. And then he says, hey, I got this Bible. Can you teach me what it says? What? So we end up in our backyard. Oh, and in the whole story, the Lord provides this beach house that we get to stay in that they're going to tear down. That's just another side note. And CJ starts to understand as he's sitting in the backyard that we see him for who he is, not world-class surfer. We value him as a man, not what the rest of the world wants from him. And we fall in love with him. He calls me dad and mom, and, which is a little offensive. CJ, if you're listening, it's offensive when you call me dad. You're 44. Give me a break. I'm 56. And then we're doing life together. And then all of a sudden, we're doing Dawn Patrol. We're meeting in the backyard on Friday mornings. It's talking about the scriptures. And here's Isaac Wallen, a little goofy guy. Danny Bennett, pastor, local guys. Darshan Gooch. All these guys are getting awoken into who God is. And they've all been a little off except for Danny Bennett he's a pastor of Hope Church and then we decide let's take 20 people to Israel and then we end up in Israel last October and then we have uh he wants to make us a movie and there's there's Carrie who came from the barbershop getting baptized reawakening her faith and then oh CJ wants he wants to get with the party and then the couple that don't know the Lord are renewing their vows and in Getty where Song of Songs written and, and just awoken, and this is fantastic, C.J. Nelson on the Western Wall with Buddha tattooed to his hand, driving the Jewish people nuts. But he's all alive and awakened with who the Lord is, and he's got this new place of relationship. And the angel of the Lord said, Peter, I want you to not worry. I want you to go to Cornelius' house, because Cornelius needs to know me. And Peter went. We sat in your office three years ago, you didn't even live in Santa Cruz, and said, I'm thinking of opening a barbershop. We want to gather people and be a witness to some people that aren't like us. We didn't even know what it was going to look like. We thought it would be in a canned ham trailer, and we said, can we park the trailer in the back parking lot? The question is, will you do it for one guy that's in the crosswalk, not letting you get across the intersection? Michael told us the power of seeing people. 
valuing them and then loving them and then doing a little bit of life with them. This is our bus driver, Ahmed. Now, Ahmed has lived on the Mount of Olives in the West Bank, in the Arab part of Jerusalem, his family, for 700 years. 700 years. <laughs> his great, 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 great grandfather was a man named Sartain, who was the last Muslim surge to kick Christianity out of Jerusalem, marched from Morocco. This dude, Ahmed, has the Sartain flag in his bedroom that came through Egypt 700 years ago. His grandfather, his great-grandfather, his father is the curator of a little monument in Jerusalem called the Dome of the Rock. He's driven Christian groups around uh, Jerusalem, Israel, for 17 years. We see Ahmed. We learn to value Ahmed. We're giving him noogies as he's driving the bus. We're thanking the Lord that Ahmed has good vision and patience with the crowds he's driving through. We're asking Ahmed, how can we pray for you? This is a picture that we took as we were in Tiberias looking for the next hotels we're going to stay in this coming trip in January. You're free to join us in January. Another free plug. Going back in January 5th, Ahmed will be our bus driver. And me, Kath, and Ahmed are walking through Tiberias, a Jewish city, with a Muslim bus driver. Muslim bus drivers are like, you guys hide over here. They're not like in part of the tourist agency. They're like, it's a caste system. They're not treated well. And we're going up to the front. Hey, we want to see the manager. I'm thinking of bringing 40 people to the hotel. Oh, sure. Come this way. Would you like a glass of wine? Would you like a coffee? And I said, Ahmed, what would you like? And, the, and everybody was like, Ahmed? And we're bringing Ahmed up into the rooms. And Ahmed, what do you think of the room? I've never actually seen a room. At, we, the bus drivers all sleep like down the street, 10 blocks away. And, like, and I said, how's this hotel? He goes, they're not nice people. They don't treat us really good. And we went, we're out. Thanks for the wine. We're out. We're not staying here. Ahmed, take us to the hotels that you'd like to feel good dropping your people off. And he's like, you're giving me a thought. Yeah, Ahmed, we get on the bus and the guide says, Ahmed's wife is Jordanian. They met the day of their wedding and she's the best Palestinian cook in Israel. When there's a big wedding, they call her for this certain dish that she's specialized. And our guide went, I've eaten there once. I've known him 17 years. She's fantastic. So I get on the mic of the bus and I say, we're all eating in Ahmed's house. It's an amazing thing. Mount of Olives, 700 years, West Bank, Arab neighborhood, Christian bus, tour the Holy Land. You know, and, so, and the, the guide went, mm, not gonna happen. Two days later, Ahmed says, Marek, 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 my wife, we'd love to have you in our home. 20 people. He spent two days, drug all of his furniture out of this little teeny apartment, rented patio furniture, in front of his Muslim neighbors, walks 20 Christian friends through the neighborhood, and here we are eating at his house, under the prayer rug to Mecca, under the sequin dome of the rock he made for his wife when he met her when he was 17 years old, and that's his wife. See, she's not pired up. She's not pumped. She don't get it. Like, what? See the wife under, with it wrapped up? Here she is in the kitchen. I had to snap this. She's going, I don't know about what all these Christians are doing in my house. And then I ask a question because we get to ask questions. Ahmed, tell me about your son's girlfriend. Oh, no, 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 no. First time I saw him get a little wedgy. You know, it's a little, we don't talk about that. We don't talk. I don't want to even know if he has a girlfriend. We're going to be picking his wife, and he's 23 years old, and he starts, like, I like this guy. He's got my masterpiece. The wife starts to go, 
this is going to get good. She starts cracking a smile. We start eating. And then by the end of the dinner, even Ahmed goes, this has been really fun. Because the wife starts to understand that we see her. We couldn't touch her. Men had to greet her like this. Can't touch her. A little bit like this. Never said a word. Never said a word, the whole thing. And then she says, can we have a picture to him in Arabic? In front of his home. And then she says, I'd like everybody. See, when you see people, it's easy to value them. If I grew up in his neighborhood with a flag of sartain in my bedroom, I'd be Muslim too. And see, the world is teaching us that these people are our enemies. They're Samaritans. God's going, I need a group after 17 years that'll love my friend. That'll love, love people that are different. I see you, I value you, I love you, and I'm doing life with you. Last day in Israel, we were at the Dome of the Rock. Last day. His dad's the curator. It was so discouraging to see the graffiti in tile around the Dome of the Rock that says there is no Son of God, there is no resurrection, a little insult to Judaism, right where the temple stood. And it's like this giant offensive banner of hostility. And we just went, this is not what we just experienced with our bus driver and his family and his community. And it was so discouraging to be leaving home after this little guns, tension, security. All the girls had to wear, like, it was ridiculous. They were just messing with us. And it's like Samaria showed up. And then we go to the um, Jaffa Gate. We leave at the Jaffa Gate, not the Jaffa Gate, Stevens Gate. And I say, okay, Ahmed, let's go. Let's get back to Joppa because we start the trip in Joppa and we end in Joppa. Let's get back to Joppa. No, 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 Mark. We wait, we wait, we wait. I, Ahmed, you're working for me. We got dinner. To go. We got to get to, there's traffic. Oh, no, 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 Mark. You wait, you wait, you wait. And all of a sudden, we see this coming down the street. It's his wife. Uh-oh, no volume. No volume. No problem. So she's entering the bus. She's never said a word, grabs, this is, she's home-baked for our travels home, and, and the place is going nuts. Look at the bus driver in the rearview mirror. He's fired up. Two days she practiced this speech, and then the bus driver says, hold on, get the microphone. Oh, she got to do a selfie. Whoop, whoop. And this is right outside of, of the Dome of the Rock, and she's on the bus. She grabs the microphone, and she says, hello, America, how are you? And she now goes back into Arabic, and our translator is translating. And she's saying, you have showed me great love. You've showed me great grace. You are my friends. Anytime you're in Israel, you have a home. You have a bed. We're family now. And she thanked us over and over again. This video is a minute and 30 seconds. She goes on for four minutes about the impact we've had on her life. And her husband and her community and all we did was wanted a good lamb dinner. <laughs> All we did was treat a bus driver like a human being that happened to be her husband. It was something. I see you. I value you. Therefore, I love you. I'm doing life with you. You know what Ahmed said on the way to uh, Joppa? Mark, I've always wanted to go to California. If we come in summer for vacation, can we stay with you? No, Ahmed. You're Muslim. <laughs> and he laughed because he knew me by then I'd be honored wouldn't it be crazy if Ahmed and his wife are sitting right here 
in June. Now with the whole thing, I don't know about travel, if they'll be here, but they're planning to come to Santa Cruz. I can't wait to walk this couple down East Cliff Drive and to be firing up some of that lamb in our house. Are you kidding me? Anyone who does not love God, does not love, but anyone who does not love does not love God, for God is love. On the way to time, um, back to Joppa, our guide with me and my wife said, you know, Mark, there's not an American word for what we just experienced. He said, I've seen it twice in my life. Maraba. It's a love that transcends culture. It's sacred. It's where time stops. What we've just experienced is marhaba. It's where we don't acknowledge our differences and we acknowledge the humanity that's involved and the great creator who's brought us together and what God's doing through us. And then the barriers went away, even though he's a Samaritan, and we loved him. It's marhaba. I said, Ahmed, go back to Jerusalem. It's a two-hour drive in a bus. Bring the wife back two hours. We're taking her to dinner. It's our last night. This is one block from Simon the Tanner's house where Peter got the vision. This is in Joppa. And we all do what we all like to do in Christian, Christianity is give prizes and talk about what God did to us. And we're all right in the square. And Ahmed and his wife are right there. Ahmed gets up and thanks God for introducing him to us. And we end up uh, praying. C.J. Nelson is sharing right here what He's learned about God and what he's been awakened to. And she's just loving it. And we all hold hands and they walk out into the night. Marhaba. Dear friends, who knows where it's going to go? Who would have thought that the barbershop with Michael went to this? I see you. I value you. I love you. And so I'm doing life with you. Is this not an offensive magazine cover? Mocking the Cross, Punk, Army of Darkness is a new surf club. This was a surf magazine from the 90s. The guy squatting down is C.J. Nelson. See, he used to be a Samaritan, a God-hater. And now he's got tattooed on his chest, go by the way of the sea. That's where he found his faith, on the way of the sea in Caesarea, in Joppa. And then... We spend another week in Israel, and the two gentlemen in the middle of us, CJ's on the right, I'm on the left, the two Jewish guys are non-believers in the middle and introduce themselves as we don't even believe there is a God because we served in the military, and we've seen too much to even believe there is a God. And CJ says, you know, this is two miles from Joppa. He says, something real powerful happened in Joppa 2,000 years ago where God said get over the differences and start to commune with the Creator. Wouldn't it be something if the tribal way, the nonprofit Kath and I started, hosted a professional surf competition in Tel Aviv, and we could take six or seven pro surfers every year around the pilgrimage that he just went on It was awakened to in Israel. And then the, on the way to Joppa, to make that happen, this guy in the bald head next to me with the sunglasses, who introduced himself as not knowing God, he says, you know, I was in Santa Cruz 11 years ago. I took one picture, and we're in a taxi cab in Joppa, me uh, CJ and these two guys on the way to Joppa and here it is and CJ says can I see that picture and CJ said that's me 11 years ago I surfed one day why do I know that's me because that's my dad's surfboard he was dying at home had two weeks to live and I was drunk and was in a two-year stupor 
I grabbed his board, walked to the point, and served. And there's a Jewish dude that we're going to meet in 11 years from now who took one picture. And now we're in a taxi cab in Joppa. I mean, you got goosebumps. We're masterpieces. And it's all set up. And we did a barber shop and met Michael, not knowing we'd be in Joppa with a guy who took a picture of... What? Are you crazy? I'm nuts about Samaritans. This is CJ in front of 120 surfers. He did a conference. We stayed an extra week saying Joppa is the place where God wanted to start world peace through getting to know him. Wouldn't it be something if the surf community extended that invitation to the whole planet in front of 120 surfers? They all stood up and applauded. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. This is him looking at Joppa. Joppa is underneath the umbrella. It's the lit city to the left. You can see it glowing. That's Simon the Peters, uh, the Tanner's house. This is our website, thetribalway.org. CJ did the graphics. He has become a masterpiece infused with the power of God, CJ, and our group. And he is loving the people in Jerusalem and loving the people in Judea, and loving the Samaritans, and loving in a way that is like so beautiful, and such a reminder, and it started with one guy. I'd like you to join us. One, join us and come to Israel. Join us in tagging along, listen to a couple podcasts about people that are changing the world. Second thing I'd like you to do is get an ajar. This is our ajar. All these are stories from last year where God opened our eyes and saw people and showed us some things, and we went, ah. Oh. And we would just write that down, praising God, because the early church met in homes, praising God. God, this is amazing. From last year, Santa Cruz, Dawn Patrol, when Darshan, Elias, Baker are praying together. Because oh. Darshan is a guy who's just trying to figure out who God is and to hear young people pray for another pro surfer. In a way, it was, I said, Kath, you had to have been there. You had to see it. This is just one example. Go home, put a jar on your fridge, and look for the awe moments that God starts to show you because we're going to pray that you would give us your eyes, Lord, and to celebrate those little teeny moments that you don't know what they'll become. Laura. Laura, who came to a full moon party, who now is uh, dealing with breast cancer, who reached out on Instagram and said, would you and your people, because you surround yourselves with great people, send me good vibes through this time of cancer? And I went, no. No, you got cancer. I'm not sending good vibes. I call you for some help. I don't want nothing vibrations, uh, nothing. I want some prayer. I want some begging the creator of the universe. And I said, I'll pray for you if you'll allow me and God's people to pray for you, to talk to God about your condition. She got emotional. I'd be honored. I, that would be amazing. Laura, just give us your eyes. Join us. Get in our jaw and just do it for one person. Don't focus on all of Samaria. The one annoying person or woman that God's put in your face is the one that he's equipped you to, to fish for. Would you pray for me or with me? Lord, I just, um, I'm humbled at what you're doing internationally. Uh, globally, even through this virus and through all the stress and everything that we all have going on, Lord, your church, your kingdom is expanding. And we come together today to celebrate what you are doing in this community and specifically this church and in the homes where everybody is logging on to. And Lord, I just, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would give us your eyes. 
I pray that you would give us your, our ears that can hear your voice. I pray that you'd give us hearts of understanding. And Lord, I pray that we would extend the promise you gave to Abraham to live in a blessing so that you can be a blessing. Lord, may we learn to live your good news so that we can bring good news, not the local news. It's time that we live in the freedom that you've awarded us through the power of your Holy Spirit and let you do all the heavy lifting and all the stuff we get anxiety about and pressure about and tense about and all the things that we wrap our life up into, Lord. Would you just take all that and give us hearts of understanding and give us a joy that's infectious because it's a whole lot easier fishing with bait. It's a whole lot easier fishing for people when they look at us as something different. And you're our difference, Lord, when we choose to be full of you, your spirit, and proclaiming your truths and not anything else. Thanks again for the faith you have in us to get off the rooftops and go find some Corneliuses. Thank you that Peter went. Thank you that he had the courage to go because here we are, Lord. Here we are. And I'm reminded that Peter, for the first time, did something he hadn't seen you do. He had to trust you at a whole new level. May we learn to trust you and to hear your voice, guiding us to the right or to the left every step we take so that your kingdom will grow and ours will diminish. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.